Hello, it's good to have your company. You're listening to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with teacher Brian Johnston. Brian's series of talks this time is a gospel anthology, which means telling the gospel message in a number of different ways. Last time we were told it's not fake news. And this time Brian asks, if chance be the father of us all, does it matter who we worship? And now here is Brian to explore his question with us. Thanks, John. For some time, news has been dominated by the war caused by Russia's invasion of neighbouring Ukraine. Daily, news media's headlines have been filled with reports of the inhumane horrors of the indiscriminate killings of children and hospital patients. And I'm reminded of the poet Steve Turner, who wrote, If chance be the father of all flesh, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear state of emergency, sniper kills 10, troops on rampage, whites go looting, bomb blast school, it is but the sound of man worshipping his maker. If chance is the father of us all, poet Turner reasons. And a scientist who believed that, who believed in the chance origin of life, the universe, and in fact of all things, once said, we are here because one odd group of fish had a peculiar fin anatomy that could transform into legs for terrestrial creatures. We are here because comets struck the earth and wiped out dinosaurs, thereby giving mammals a chance not otherwise available. We are here because the earth never froze entirely during an ice age. We are here because a small and tenuous species arising in Africa a quarter of a million years ago, has managed, so far, to survive by hook and by crook. He says we may yearn for a higher answer, but none exists. This explanation, though superficially troubling, if not terrifying, he says, is ultimately liberating and exhilarating. Those were the words of Professor Stephen Jay Gould. Let's hear Turner's poetry again. If chance be the father of all flesh, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear state of emergency, sniper kills 10, troops on rampage, whites go looting, bomb blast school, it is but the sound of man worshipping his maker. That's the direct result Turner is putting to us. It's the direct result of people believing that we're here by chance, with no higher power to whom we will one day be held accountable. The sound of war and injustice in the world today. Is this the sound of humanity worshipping its maker? This is the world that practical atheism arrives at. But let me ask you, does that really sound exhilarating to you? Or does it better expose the condition of the human heart? A heart that has alienated itself from God. The result of those who say in their heart that there is no God. That's what they say in their heart. But the heart is deceitful above all things. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah tells us in chapter 17 of his book in verse 9. There's a story of a little boy in India who had lots of rather nice marbles. But he was jealous of all things of his sister's bag of sweets. So he said to her, let's do a deal. If you give me all your sweets, 
I'll give you all my marbles. She thought about it and agreed to the swap. So he took her sweets, all of them, of course, and went back to his room to fetch his marbles by way of exchange. But, you know, the more he looked at them, the more reluctant he was to give them all up. So he took the best ones and put them under his pillow and only took the remainder to give to his sister. Well, that night she slept soundly while he tossed and turned restlessly, unable to sleep, all the while thinking, I wonder if she gave me all the sweets. Let me ask you this. Have you seen your own heart? When we doubt others, and maybe doubt even God himself, think about it. Could it be we're really acknowledging our own deceitfulness? The boy wouldn't have doubted his sister if he'd not been all too aware of his own deceit in the matter. And our suspicions are usually well-founded because all hearts are like our own heart, which is basically deceitful. Is that a bit too harsh? Well, no. For Jeremiah, the Bible prophet already mentioned, says, the heart is more deceitful than all else. Again, it's that reference, chapter 17, verse 9 of Jeremiah. And so I ask, I ask every one of us again, have you seen your own heart? Recently, I've just returned from a country in the Far East. After one night sharing of God's good news up in a hillside village on a starlit tropical night, one woman at the back of the group started to sob. It began towards the close of the preaching that night. Later, she was asked why she had been crying. This was her answer. She said, I was overwhelmed by a sense of my sin. She had seen her own heart. Before God will change anyone's life, they first to realise what the heart of their problem is. It's the problem of their heart. Not that you're able to change it for yourself. I read once that the former world boxing champion, Muhammad Ali, on an aeroplane during turbulence, refused to fasten his seatbelt. He said to the air stewardess, with the quick wit that he was famous for, Superman need no seatbelt. But the stewardess was equal for him that day, and back she came at once with, Superman also need no aeroplane, so will you please fasten your seatbelt. We are no supermen and no superwomen in God's sight because he sees our heart. And what's more, we can do nothing about the state of it. Maybe you've heard of someone who's been styled as the world's least successful kite flyer. Apparently, he was a Californian whose kite hit a high voltage power cable. It caught fire and came crashing down to earth where it started a fire that damaged 385 homes, 740 acres of scrubland, and caused 3,000 people to be evacuated. The bill? $20 million. Now, what does your average guy do? Reach for his checkbook? No, I don't think so. Nor is it any more realistic to offer to come every weekend with your paintbrush and tools and try to make it right all by yourself. 
Meeting that kind of debt is overwhelmingly beyond us. Our indebtedness to God because of the deceitfulness of our heart is something we can do nothing about. Our heart, the Bible says, is desperately sick. And yes, that's Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 again. Our heart's condition is way beyond critical. It's desperate. And no religious therapy of any kind can cure it. The story's told of two brothers who were notorious gang members. When one died, the other went to a pastor and asked if he would take his brother's funeral. He offered the pastor a great deal of money for doing so, but upon one condition, that at some point in his sermon, the pastor would speak of this rogue as a saint. The pastor said he felt he could just about manage that. And when the day of the funeral came, the pastor waxed eloquent about the vile character of the deceased. This man, he said, was a rotter to the core of his being, capable of, and indeed guilty of, the most horrific crimes. But compared to his brother, he said, he was a saint. Have you seen your own heart? Who do you compare yourself with? Compared to whom are you a saint? When we compare ourselves with a Hitler or with a Stalin, we feel pretty comfortable with the idea of ultimate justice, don't we? But when we compare ourselves to the standards we glimpse in the Bible, we sense just how much we stand in need of God's mercy. What God asks us to do is to turn from our self-centered, self-choosing, self-serving ways and come to Christ, just as you are, because he'll change you. But come believing that the only remedy to the problem of your heart lies in the provision of God's own heart through the cross, where Jesus Christ, God's Son, died for everyone 2,000 years ago. Those who come to Christ find completeness in the one who declared himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. When a person acknowledges God and acknowledges Christ as his Saviour, what a difference it makes and what a difference it would make to our society if there was a genuine revival of belief in God over against the hopeless belief in chance. For Christian worship has been aptly described as the quickening of our conscience by his holiness, the nourishing of our minds by his truth, the enlarging of our hearts by his love, the purifying of our imagination by his beauty and the submission of our wills to his purpose. How different today's world would be if all or most were truly worshipping the real creator God.
Yes, in response to our hymn, let us ponder anew what the Almighty can do. So I hope you've enjoyed today's study and the transcript book of all the talks in this series would be helpful to you to pursue further study. So please let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. Firstly, it's available online and you can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book to be posted to you. Just ask for the title, It's Not Fake News. And don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, before we part company, I just want to say how much we've enjoyed having you with us today. And I'd be delighted if you join me again next week for the next talk, which has the title Lost and Found. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.